0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. What's up? I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week. We sure do. So let's kick it off talking about Planet of the Apes, number one from Marvel, written by David F. Walker, art by Dave Wachter. This is like Alien and Predator, Marvel's big push into yet another 20th century studio's property, in this case. Planet of the Apes. It is jumping back in time to showing us the beginning of the ape plague as seen in the more recent movies, and then jumping even further back in time year by year to show us different parts of how things came together in different aspects. I don't know if you guys are fans of the Planet of the Apes movies, what you thought. I'll tell you what, I
2: don't like those apes taking over. Oh. And, you know, wrecking the Statue of Liberty, like we told them we don't want them doing that. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they're Gotta doing Get
0: that. your damn dirty hands off it, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice.
2: You did it. You really yeah. did it. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I once had a birthday,
3: and uh, a friend of mine wanted to go see a Planet of the Apes movie instead of what I wanted to go see. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Planet of the Apes. But I tell you what, I love is this that comic. Me?
0: Is that me? Yeah, yeah that's you. That's uh, the movie that I wait, went and what saw. Did you guys go see Rampage? I or something? went and saw
3: Hercules and he went and saw Planet of the Apes. Oh, you a... made a bad choice, Pete.
2: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He
3: made a bad choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so... The important
2: thing is, we walked, we hung out for five minutes like friends before we both went to our separate theaters.
3: That's right, like true friends. <laughs> letting each other do what they really want Happy to do birthday. i think that's i think that's a great friendship all right anyways uh i yeah i thought this was a great comic i like the way it started i love the art style uh yeah i thought it was uh, um you know, uh, the I really left uh, the the part with the soldier uh, and the play using the like the the sign language with the apes was really cool. When she was kind of like talking with the apes, I thought that was so powerful and very cool. I thought that was like a really great connecting point uh, that made me want to read more.
2: You know what this reminded me of? World War Z. It's like Ooh. taking the plan of the Apes world and looking at it through the, like uh, with a World which, War Z style. Which lens ape was
0: Brad Pitt? It. All of them, um, they were all very handsome apes. Okay. Yeah, cool. he
2: actually is drawn in underneath the masks <laughs> of the ape mask.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh,
2: so I thought that, I like that take. I like that sort of seeing the world, since the movies have really focused on particular characters in different situations. So seeing it sort of wide lens, I thought was really cool. Uh, let me also say, it occurred to me, it's strange in the new Planet of the Apes movies, the apes, once they sort of, like, uh, have the real uh, sentience and they want to take over, they immediately start riding horses. Mm-hmm. And there are cars. There are cars.
0: Why yeah, do they the gasoline, go to horses? The yeah, gasoline doesn't work
3: What anymore. are you talking about, dude? If you're an ape and you see a horse, I mean, come on.
0: If, if I was just an like ape, I'd, I'd probably ride other apes, I think. Yeah, that's, like, your
2: closest friend. You're, like, right. you're, you outride, oh, no, I'm a dude. smaller... I would jump on
3: eagles. I'd try to be doing everything. You know jump I mean? on eagles. Jump on eagles? Yeah, jump eagles on eagles. Eagles aren't that big. Well, some of them pretty
2: huge. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I now I feel like the sane one suddenly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Haven't you ever I seen was... Lord of the Rings? Those birds are huge, man. Yes, I've seen Lord yeah. of the Rings. The documentary, you mean, Lord of the Rings, yep. right? Yes. Yeah, it's all about yeah, New Zealand. I'm really glad they took care of that ring, by the way. That seemed like it was going to go very badly, but... Anyway, I was
2: there's... hoping I was going to get my hands on it because I bet I could talk. <laughs> if those ring raids showed up, I would have talked to them.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: you can you can talk to them. I would have negotiated. That Plus, I can seem handle. Like they talk much? I can handle the pressure of the ring. I just put it on in my pocket and be fine. Walk mm-hmm. up to Mordor with it. Walk around. Go to work. Whatever. I'm it's not. Yeah. I'm not sweating it.
0: When Justin does, just walk into Mordor, The. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised about this book, particularly based on what I was expecting from the Alien and Predator books, which Philip K. And Johnson on the Alien book just pushed it forward in this wild way and explored different aspects of the mythology. The Predator book by Ed Bryson also really pushed the story forward in a big way. This instead is looking <clears throat> backwards. So it took me a little bit to kind of get into it. And I think World War Z is a very good comp there in terms of taking it to... Literally this planetary scale of we've always focused very narrowly, narrowly on, a you know, one place where the apes are. What actually happened to the entire planet? What happened to all of these people? And we still get an emotional hook by the end of the issue that I was into. But it, it, again, it took me a while because it was not what I expected. But that's not their fault. The art is great. David fucking
3: Walker, man. He's really just a, That's what the a great F stands re- for? That's what the F stands for. A little yeah. little
0: known fact. It's David yeah. fucking Walker it's a, writing, it's this a and family. writing the
2: shit out of it. It's a family name, just so we're clear. He's from yeah. the Traditionally from the fucking... I'll tell
0: you what, this is one planet of the apes I don't want to get off. Next up, Poison Ivy number 11 from DC Comics, written by G. Willow Wilson. Art by Marcio Takara. This is continuing the story arc that finds Poison Ivy using her evil spores to accidentally take over a goop-style commune. This is great. great. I'm having such a great time reading this book. (laughs) I love this...
3: The art's unbelievable. I mean, just uh, super tight bananas, uh, even though it's kind of got this tripped out feel to it, which is very enjoyable, but really sets uh, this kind of uh, sinister tone for Poison Ivy. And uh, yeah, I've been having a great time with this book. It's been going back and forth between being like super sweet, but also crazy dark. So I'm having a good, I think they're doing a great job on it.
2: Agree. I feel like, this this story is feels both like um, sort of a story of the week or a, an arc type comic book writing. while at the, at the same time, really touching on some big points for Poison Ivy and the other characters that uh, have sort of become part of the family here. And uh, I really care. I like I I'm invested in the choice that Poison Ivy has to face here. Like, is she somebody when we started this book, she was trying to kill basically everyone. And now she's grappling with the fact that it's gotten away from her. Is she here to sort of help the people that are now in danger? Or is she fine just letting them go? And it it feels like a real decision for her.
0: Star Trek Deep Space Nine, number one from IDW, written by Mike Chen, art by Angel Hernandez. This issue is dealing with two wildly different stories. In one, Cisco is grappling with the idea that there might be Borg tech somewhere inside the space station what does he do about that on the other side of the spectrum quirk falls in love with an adorable corgi <laughs> come on it's corgi love uh this is space
3: corgi love here it's so adorable and so well drawn it's uh it's really
2: fun and p when is your erotic novel coming out space corgi love <laughs> uh, yeah,
3: i'm working on it still you know i gotta go oh, get a oh i hotel.
2: thought okay i think we went back to the drawing board started over
0: People well, aren't no, ready it's just for You've know, got
3: to go through a lot of, uh, you know, it's got to go get
0: a lot of OKs before you can kind of mm-hmm. put it out yeah, yeah Pete's, <laughs> been do, Pete's been doing a lot of research, like hands-on yeah, research, yeah. to like really get the details just right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it.
2: That's just good writing, especially when it comes to Corgis. Yeah, falling and now in Pete, love.
0: Semi-related, but I believe back in the day you worked as a human <laughs> sexual dog. <daughter. laughs> <laughs> nope, not
2: true. <laughs> well, and just uh, yeah, I know you're wondering because we don't want to laugh about this because this is a real thing that Pete did. He was a human <laughs> sexual dog, which is a a man nope. that dresses like a dog to have sex. Yeah, um, we've talked about that a lot on other, or uh, specifically our uh, podcast about Preacher, uh, the TV show Preacher. <laughs> we wanted the full story from Pete LePage's lips to God or Jesus's ears. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about this book, the uh, the the Deep Space Nine. It's funny. We I've been talking about these Star Trek books. We've been talking about them, how they're these like all-star squads getting everyone together. And this one feels like they are not taking as seriously. And maybe it's because it's Deep Space Nine, which is a little bit of a catch-all of the television Star Trek universe, where they would have very serious stories. They would have these sort of oddball like – Northern exposure esque storylines in that show from the Star Trek universe. I don't. I think it's fun that it has this this weird angle on it with the
0: it's the Quirk Corgi's side of the book is so much fun. It's so good. And yeah. just Quirk being like, no, I hate this Corgi. What are you talking about? No, well, you can just stay in my room tonight. <laughs> the Like the most fun you could have reading a story about this. It's absolutely ludicrous. But then it's such total whiplash when you go to these scenes of Cisco being like, the yes.
1: Borg
0: um, but you know, worth picking up if you like these characters and you want to see an adorable dog running around a space station and just frolicking and having a good time.
2: It's just funny. This is a number one issue with a, like a Deep Space Nine comic book series launch, and there's all the main characters holding a corgi on them as well. It's insane. <laughs>
0: Yes. It's great. I love it though. Good for them. It's audacious. Radiant pink. Number four from image comics written by Megan common Renna and Melissa Flores art by Emma Kubert, moving from dogs to giant cats in this issue. Yeah. Radiant pink and her new, I don't want to say girlfriend, but they're kind of hooking up a little bit. Who was previously her yeah. villain. Yeah. I Tell have been these, captured labels on, by yeah. giant cat people who have them under attack. Um, there was, I, I talked about this a little bit, like I found the second issue a little bit wobbly, but it got back on track with issue three. Issue four, loved it. Just had a great time. Very fun with all the cat attack stuff. Back on Earth, we're getting stuff that's tying into the rest of the Radiant Black Universe, which I found very interesting. I thought this was great. I'm yeah, curious. Yeah, I agree I,
2: Oh, go ahead. Uh, sorry, Pete. I'm curious. We talk a lot about how the Massiverse is coming together in some uh, larger story. Right. Uh, soon, we think like in the next couple of months. Yeah, probably. Right. This is when it's going to kick off this this issue, I which I, I also liked. I think it's cool. I like these characters. I like the tone of this. These books have such wildly different tones. I'm curious how they're going to sew all of this together.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to uh, do a great job with it because they're they have already been doing a great job with it. And I can't yeah. wait. Uh, but uh, to get back to the cat action in this book, uh, just absolutely. I love the line that hello, ugly alien friends. Just really fun. Um Loved all the kind of uh, love story stuff, but also the kind of uh, fight sequences with giant cats. It's, it's hysterical, but also they're doing a really good job of building out this world and and uh, kind of establishing relationships. Uh, and yeah, I agree with Justin. There's there's different style tones, there's different art styles, but it does fit under this umbrella. And I'm really impressed with how Big, they're making it and uh how the, unafraid uh, they are to get away from certain things that have been established as far as like style or tone or, or kind of things so really impressed with what they're doing here
2: it truly is massive but let me ask you pete if they had if this book had a giant corgi in it and the deep space nine book had a cat as the focus would you have liked them better would you like the the deep space nine cat story better
3: well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe. I mean, the Corgi story was very touching. But, uh, yeah, this had a darker side to this. And we're also going to be talking about another big cat issue later.
2: Yeah. Cats on the brain.
0: I don't um, know which one you're t- Oh, I know what you're talking about. Okay. Why we don't go. we move on from cats <laughs> to Spiders. <laughs> Spider-Man number seven from Marvel, written by Dan Slott, art by Mark Bagley. This is an issue that Dan Slott has been hyping up online for a good long time. We found out the reason for it. This is the end of this end of Spider-Verse storyline, which is bringing together all of the Spider-Mans and Spider-Womans and girls and et to fight against this giant wasp lady for the fate of the Spider-Verse. In last issue, they cut Morland open... (laughs) And spilled all of the spiders that he's ever eaten out. So everybody is back. Everybody comes back, including Spider-Woman, in a big, uh, triumphant way. But the big spoiler here, which, again, was put out online, so it's not much of a spoiler, is we're getting a new character that Dan Slott has created called Spider-Boy, who is Spider-Man's sidekick, who nobody remembers, but he has always been there, is basically his thing. Um, so we're going to find out more about him and subsequent issues. But what did you think about this? What did you think about the issue? And what did you think about this end of the Spider-Verse storyline?
2: I feel like there's no better – it's almost like a Disney ride. If you wanted to pay a couple bucks, get on a little roller coaster and take a tour around the inside of Dan Slot's brain, <laughs> that's what this comic is. This issue is is a million different Spider-People just showing up, bouncing off each other. Everyone's like, I have uh, something I want to say. I feel like this is actually what Dan Slott, every time he closes his eyes to go to sleep, he has to put to bed every single spider person in this book. Um, so that was fun. Spider Boy, I, I read, I, I should have written down who posted this, but someone said um, this Spider Boy should clearly be the spider that bit Peter Parker who got the powers of a boy from that (laughs) and i thought that was really smart and sort of tracks with the issue when you read it because he's like i've always been with you Mm -hmm. so like you could i think there's a there's a case and he has like a little more spidery his mask is a little more spider-eyed i think that could could potentially be the secret
0: pete what did you think about this well, I I agree with
3: the original statement that Justin was saying that this is just a uh, dance slot fun action. I mean, there's a really a lot of hilarious lines in this thing. Um I, I was just super impressed with all the details and everything kind of coming together here. It was uh it, it, it's just a lot of fun. The I'm trying to uh find it here. Oh, yeah, the the Noir uh, Spider-Man uh, uh, saying, "It's good to have your kisser. Uh, good to see your kisser." And the walloping web snapper—just uh, fun stuff. Uh, this was just a kind of giant, uh, big issue, and uh, you know, had slots fingerprints
0: all over it. So it was a ton of fun. Totally agree with you guys. I want to throw out one line, and this is, I guess, a spoiler, but it is, Dad. Doing exactly what you're talking about, it is the pinnacle of maybe the worst, most brilliant pun I've ever seen him do in the entire time I've been reading comics. Where over, and I'll spoil it here. So if you don't want to know, turn away. But the everybody's been fighting. Miles was turned into a wasp person. He's not there in the final fight. Finally, he shows up driving the spider buggy and they're like, "Whoa, where were you? What's going on? They're like, sorry, we had to Tokyo drift through a bunch of different universes to finally get here on time. And they're like, wow, that's amazing. How did you do that? And the spider buggy says, that's because I'm the best parallel Parker, which is a joke that I read. And like, literally my head dropped being like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe he built that up just to that moment, but hats off to you, I guess is what I would say. (laughs) Uh,
2: That is, that is the compliment that you're giving him. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all there. I feel like this is Dan slots to quote Pete Dan slots, happy place. Yeah. yeah. All there the action go. figures, you put a quarter in the dance slot and you get every Spider Man action figure
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to talk about The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing, number seven from DC Comics, written by Matthew Rosenberg yeah! and Ryan Kirby. Art by Carmine D. Gian Domenico and Will Robeson. Batman is lost as we officially establish. In this issue, seemingly somewhere in the multiverse in another universe where Bruce Wayne has died, the Joker is not the Joker. He's just a regular dude wearing a red hood. Everything's a little different, but of course, Batman got a Batman and tried to fight his way through it. And then the backup story, Tim Drake Robin is looking through the multiverse for Batman. What's up, just?
2: Uh, that's the Batman issue they were talking about in a minute. This oh is the my Joker. God. That this was is the Joker
0: coming. Ridiculous. I'm sorry. There's but we two could talk about Jokers. That one. Nope, I love that's that. That's fine. One. That's fine. I don't know why I did that. Well,
2: we're talking no, about like four Batman books, yeah, sorry. <laughs>
0: that was a total brain floop. Uh, the Joker comic book, he's in Los Angeles. He's fighting his way out of Los Angeles, which is like a parallel universe. And the Joker oh, is like yeah, the opposite you know. of Batman. And he, the Joker, who I mentioned earlier, is uh, there's two Jokers. So there you go. So um, that's what I was saying, and I was right. <laughs>
2: To be fair, Uh, you got halfway through that, and I was like, well, this sort of checks out (laughs) uh, in a way.
0: Anyway, Joker's fighting Manhunter throughout this issue, and the the backup story, we get the Joker running for president with another double Joker twist going on. Uh, This title continues to be great. Yes, what's up, Pete?
3: Yeah, I, I just think that this was really an impressive issue. I love the art style. It is just so cool. Uh And it was also an interesting start here. We kind of started with a Manhunter, uh, and yeah. I, I loved the, the fact of the Joker back and forth with the Manhunter, like, who are you? And then calling her the evil tomato later, and just the whole, like, him being a tourist in L.A. and wanting to try animal style and doing, like, and the whole just kind of running bit of, like, there's no heroes in L.A. and that's why you come to L.A. And he was, like, so just, disp- it was just, I had a blast. I felt like they nailed the tone and the humor of the Joker in such a interesting way. And the art style really fit it. And I was just super impressed with it.
2: And also, yeah, just- I,
3: I love Manhunter. So this was really my wheelhouse. Yeah.
2: Agreed. This had a, a, the fact that it was sort of was rooted as a Manhunter story, I thought was really cool, where it sort of advanced her story in a way which I haven't seen in a while. Uh, but shouts to Bergie, uh, our guy Bergie, because I was talking about how there aren't a lot of Joker stories that are actually funny, where the Joker is being funny and the Joker is being legit funny in here. Yeah, uh, and hilarious. I love all the mayhem, all the L.A. commentary is really fun. I love how there's a line that like, why is everyone trying to take credit for like greasy burgers? And I'm like, that is absolutely <laughs> right. Uh, that is a, a part of culture. I'm like, it's sort of all the same burger though, right? We're all cool <laughs> with knowing we just like eating this gross flat burger and it hey,
3: tastes hey, great. Don't think about burgers like that, all right, dude? I'm not Hold no. on, just
0: real quick about burgers because I'm going to forget later. We This accurate to in and out like very accurate in and out conversation whatever you think about in and out like it's still that's the conversation people have there's a book later on in the stack that we're going to talk about where the characters go to White Castle and they're talking about White Castle but they're not eating White Castle burgers when they get there wow
2: look at you absolute takedown Uh, but outside of all this fun and mayhem and great fight scene there's a great full page spread here with a Manhunter uh, defeating the Joker I won't say how but there's a, this underlying mystery of this second Joker that Solomon Grundy is like petting, uh, like um, of mice and men style. And we've talked about how we think that's the real Joker and how this is Joker someone else. And I'm starting to think there's something else going on here. The, this page ends with saying, well, we're already di- we're dead. And I, now I'm starting to think it's not at all what we anticipated and we're going to mm-hmm. get like a, a double twist back here. So that's exciting as well.
0: Absolutely. Novel very curious. excited about this book. Let's move on to a very advanced review. Lamentation Number 1. This is coming out May 3rd from Oni Press. It's written by Cullen Bunn, art by Arjuna Sassini. We won't get too much into spoilers here, but basically this concerns a woman who is auditioning for a theater troupe. The theater troupe is not what it seems, and some dark things are going on here. I'll just say nobody is doing horror right now like Cullen Bunn. Uh, yes. Yeah, the guy is is uh, all about it, man. Yeah. I, well, but he's also like, beyond the fact that he's doing these really great horror comics, he's writing things that feel like classic Tales from the Crypt style stories, classic Outer Limits, Twilight Zone style stories. And that's really hard to do without feeling derivative. Something like this that finds this new riff on Haunted Theater Group. <sighs> is so smart. The art by <laughs> Arjuna Sassini is oh so creepy. God. Like there's yeah. there's panels yeah. where it just cuts to, I'll, I'll spoil one little yeah. thing. but Like there's so a panel where it cuts to her talking to the theater troupe and there's these things crawling over the seat behind her. Made my skin crawl.
3: Yeah, it really well, creeped me out. The art on this is just phenomenal and creepy and all the way right Right ways and also the kind of like uh, the theater teacher is also creepy in all the right ways. It's really a really well done uh, book, a great combination of both writing and art. Sorry, go ahead, Justin.
2: Pete, I believe she's the director of this particular production. Oh, so okay. um, let's just get our terminology straight. As a classically trained actor here, I will step in and uh, Please uh, be do. the director of this. Uh, well, no, uh, what I was going to say, though, um, Alex, to your point, I think it's the the depth at which Colin Bunt takes on this task, task. I feel like a lot of horror stories are sort of like premise, and then they're a bit surfacy. It's uh, caricatures instead of characters. And this, I really feel like... Um, both both the writer and artist here really dig in. We get a visual motif to like sort of uh, bring us into the acting experience here that we're getting blended with the haunting experience that we're just sort of learning about. We get to meet our character. There's some nice tonal stuff in here and then just full on mystery. Uh, it, it, it really is just it feels super well thought out. And I I really liked it. Yeah.
0: Again, that's coming out May 3rd, not this Wednesday, so look forward to that. Love Everlasting, number six, from Image Comics, written by Tom King, art by Elsa Charredier. This is picking up after the last issue, where he got some big revelations about what's happening to our main character in terms of her falling through these different romance comics in her life. In this issue, she has basically given up and said, all right, whatever, do whatever you want to be. Sure, I'll fall in love. And... uh. Yeah, I kind of went into this thinking this is the last issue. It's not. It's going to keep going from here. I'm fascinated to see what's going to happen next.
2: It really is becoming this riff on what love is in short time frames and long time frames. Like marriage, why – like I think Tom King may be saying here that like love is a momentary thing, but all the ways we talk about love are forever. And the tension between those two ideas, because this this woman is trapped in sort of an infinite loop of short love stories. So she's always falling in and out of love and it always burns out in her, but then she has to find love again with the same people in different timelines and places. And I got
3: to say though, I've been on the other side of this and it's a little frustrating when somebody Which says other that. other side? What I'm getting to it. Jesus Christ. Okay. I'm just saying it's a little frustrating when someone says they're in love with you and then you think you're going to be in love forever. And then they're like, Hurry up and kill me so I can get on to the next love story. And you're like, all right, fine, I guess.
0: Wow. I can't believe it took us 16 <laughs> years for Pete to confess to murder here on the podcast. That's uh, surprisingly- That's the power of yeah.
2: comics. That's yeah. the power of comics. It's really. Anyway, funny. just don't dig up any of Pete's, Pete's earlier apartments.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, Pete is uh, exclusively lived in underground apartments. This book is great. The art is great. I love it. I, I cannot believe it's continuing, but I'm actually excited that it is because I'm really fascinated to see where it goes next
1: Agreed. Speaking
0: of which, uh, another ongoing book that I'm really fascinated by, I Am Iron Man, number two for Marvel, oh, yeah. written by Morella Ayodile, uh art by Dotan Akande. This is uh, another sort of one shot focusing on an aspect of Iron Man. Here, essentially, he loses most of his power and ends up under the water, communing with a psycho, psychic whale, I guess. I think it's a whale. Yeah, I guess the
2: meteorite crashes and this whale gets some powers from it. It seems like that's yeah. what's happening.
0: This is a stunningly gorgeous book and a there fascinating Iron Man tale that I guarantee you have never read anything like this before. I'm loving what they're doing here.
3: I completely agree. This is... Uh, it's such a chill vibe to this comic. It's really beautiful. It's it's sparse as far as like the talking and all that. It's really art focused art centered it's super type bananas art it's really this kind of magical adventure you go on iron man that's very different from a normal iron man story i had a great time i love the whales uh i feel like yeah it's that's probably how whales talk to each other and stuff so i i was all in
2: psychically you think
3: yeah oh yeah definitely
2: so what do you think all the whale song is? Just like burps and farts?
3: Well, it's for us to throw us off. You know what I mean? They're constantly fucking with humans, yeah.
2: Oh, it's like karaoke, and then they're like, look, the humans think. Yeah, just, they think
3: this is how we talk, and they're just kind of yeah, farting under the water.
2: Nice. Uh, great uh, marine biologist take there from Pete LePage. Uh, I agree. I love this book. I think Iron Man, I actually like the run that's happening right now in the other Iron Man, the main Iron Man title. But I feel like so many Iron Man runs like run out of gas on the premise where I feel like usually you have to take a big swing at Tony Stark because like he runs his corporation, but he loses all of his money or his armor is trying to kill him. But it's hard to sustain that over a series of arcs, I feel like, at least in the recent past. But getting Iron Man stories where they're like sort of one off, like interesting universe with where the rules are a little different. Really here for it. Really liking this series.
0: Well, I'm forgetting exactly what they say in the back matter here, but a lot of this is about loneliness and isolation, this tale, which is something that you don't really deal with in an Iron Man story, but he is literally a guy who's wearing armor. And in this case, they take him to the darkest, loneliest place imaginable, which is... Deep, deep under the ocean. You're reading well, it. Just let so. me
2: let me read it because it's actually yeah. uh, it's even a little more specific than that. The ep- this episode was written and illustrated for and is dedicated to everyone whose body betrays them, whose mm. body has kept them away from their dream lifestyle, or whose body has caused them frequent hospital visits. Do not give up. Keep uh-huh. fighting for life, like Iron Man. Defy Mother Nature one day at a time. Much love. And it's the um, writer and artist um, who, who put that, that message together. And it, the story is about, uh, there's a mention of like the Iron Man's losing power. Um, if he, he loses power, his heart dies. Like it, it, it really, I think it does a good, the story does a good job of putting a metaphor on mm-hmm. Iron Man with that, The the details of his heart and that we know from his, his continuity, but like, but also the feeling of what I think they're describing in this passage at the end in a great way.
0: Batman, number 133, 34, excuse me, from DC Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Mike Hawthorne and Miguel Mendonza. In this issue, the Joker is on the loose in Los Angeles. He's just trying to get no, to the airport. No, it's not this one. It's not this one. Oh, okay. Oh, you this is the oh, best. Ah, oh, sorry. No, this is this is actually the one where Batman is in an alternate universe and then in the backup story Tim Drake is trying to get him back to travel through the multiverse. I got to say I still think there's going to be some sort of twist here in terms of what's going on, but Def. loving what they're doing. It's really just pushing Batman to the limit, it's pushing Tim to the limit. It's great. I, I uh Yeah, hey what's up, Pete? Hey,
3: I, I had a hard time with the helmet strap uh look with this Batman. I really didn't I didn't like he keep it. the
2: hat on his head though?
3: Yeah, but I you know, like I, I appreciate the fact that it's a different Batman, it's a different world and that kind of stuff, so there's a stark difference between the Batman I know and love and then this one, but the the helmet strap really had a hard time with it and it was
0: like it, well, it kept to, me at a distance. He had to build it himself. It. He had to build the bat suit himself. He didn't the have Alfred help. Yeah, it just uh Yeah, that was just like that. a skateboard I wasn't helmet the strap. Yeah. This is well, a I fact like- that not a lot of people know, but Alfred actually makes all of his su- suits out of soup. They're soup suits made out of bully base. Uh, mm. and uh, that's why it has that flowing look over his body. So when he makes it himself, he has to build the strap in because Alfred isn't there for the soup suit. Soup suit. Soup suit. Right, Pete? Pete? Soup suit? Yeah. yeah it soup soup. We went a long way on that one. I'm just trying to match up to my idol, Dad Slot, and his parallel Parker joke. All right. Well, uh, good luck. Keep trying.
2: <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, yep. I, I thought this was great. I think the, the front story you like with the backup all
3: of, better than the front story.
2: Well, let me get there. Like I, I do like that Chip Zdarsky feels like everywhere he's writing now, he's creating these whole events in single, single titles. And this is fun. We get some like, uh, scary takes on the heroes that have been polluted by the, uh, non-Joker Joker and this, um, universe that he's in great fight with Ghostmaker. Uh, but the, yes, the backup where Tim Drake's trying to chase down Batman in his in whatever multiverse area he's in. And part of the technology that takes him there, he has to uh, think about Batman to get him there. And out of nowhere we get this little bit of the story, emotional hit where he's like, "My heart betrayed me." And he goes to another multiverse where he sees his mother who is passed in the main DC continuity, and he has this great like two-page hang with her. And then he's off to find Batman. I just loved the surprise, emotional gut punch of the story. And it was just a fantastic Tim Drake Robin story that caught me totally off guard.
0: Great stuff. Let's move on and talk about Disney Villain Scar, number one from Dynamite, written by Chuck Brown, art by Trevor Fraley. I'll tell you what, when I added this to the stack, I was like, I'm going to hate this. I don't really like the Lion King that much. I'm sorry, I just don't. This is going to be stupid. It was very good. It was a really interesting exploration of Scar leading up to the Lion King, this character that feels shunned. And beaten down by everybody around him. It builds out the world in a really fascinating way. My one quibble is I think Trevor Fraley draws Scar a little too beefy. Like he's a little bit too much of a (laughs) lion. He's not like a skinny lion. But other than that, I was surprised to be into this book. It's a very interesting little uh, side
3: note there. This is the other cat
2: book. This is the other cat book. This is the other cat book that you were talking about, Pete. This is a cat. It's a cat book. Yeah. Oh, this is it. That's
0: what I thought it was. Nope. Oh, I know what you're uh, talking about. I know what you're talking
2: about. (laughs) Alex, (laughs) if you don't know now, then you've truly lost. No, no, I got it. I got it. Oh my God. All right, I guess we'll see. You're taking about yeah, you 100% it's seriously.
0: In, yeah, that's what I was I was going to do that joke later. Oh, you yeah, took right. that bit. Bam. You took the bit away. Oh, uh, I know what he's talking about. Just real quick, the thing is that, like, legitimately, in The Lion King, even though I don't love that movie, the idea of Scar is he's hungry. Like, he's physically and mentally hungry so you've got to see his bones you've got to see his skin hanging off a little bit so in this book the fact that he's like i a beefed out lion like mufasa doesn't quite work as much for me in terms of the character but it's fine anyway you guys take it away
2: uh it's weird that they're fleshing out the scar backstory in this book and you know what this is a little bit talking about the story but I find it to be a betrayal that Rafiki's chilling with Scar and helping Scar I, I was kind of like, Rafiki, what the <laughs> F are you doing, bro? R- Rafiki, your whole thing is you should be a little bit distant from this itch. Yeah. So, Yeah, um, I was like, not Rafiki,
3: cool. what, Who? whose side are you on? Why are you helping out Scar? I felt very betrayed by that part. Also, I was just kind of like, okay, I guess if we're going to do like – You know, Darth Vader gets his own title. Then I guess Scar gets his own title. Uh, And I was just kind of like a little bit like, why are we doing this? But I... uh... You know, the art pulled me back right into it. I don't, I hate Lion King as much as other people. But uh, yeah, you I think hate it, Lion King. No, I said I don't hate Lion King oh. as much as other people because uh, Zalvin <laughs> went on this whole diatribe. Why are you even listening when we're doing this podcast? Anyways, uh, here's yeah, the thing I was, they did it better and it was called Hamlet. Oh my God.
2: Wow. <laughs> what a take. <laughs> Wow.
0: Uh, anyways, yeah, Shakespeare I, I, didn't need lions or songs from Elton John. Come on,
2: <laughs> it's, good. it's true. He did not. <laughs> His Elton John, he just was like,
0: nope, nope, no
2: singing, yeah. sir Elton <laughs> from the. But 17th I've got century. some great
0: songs about just waiting nope. to be king. Nope. nope, Elton. Right. Note
2: Elton John's great, 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 great grandfather.
0: Mm. Is Sir Elton John, also Elton John. Elton John is also Sir Elton Justin, John. Justin, do you have
2: anything more you wanted to say about this book? Or? Yeah, by the no, way. I was we're mostly gonna... caught up in the betrayal of Rafiki. Oh, okay. okay.
0: We're going to okay. talk for the next half an hour about this book. Uh, you know what I'll tell you what why don't we move on and talk about another king King Spawn number 21 from Image Comics written by Sean Lewis and Todd McFarlane art by Javi Fernandez now this comes from a listener who said hey why are you guys not talking about King Spawn and the other Spawn books yeah this popped up and I was like "All right, we haven't talked about this for a while so let's talk about it I'll tell you what There's some super gross stuff involving brains in this book, and if you're into horror and you're into brains being ripped out and draws of brains, and spoiler, the last page is Spawn being like, okay, here we go, and he's carrying brains in each hand. It's pretty gross and awesome. It's a lot
3: of brain stuff. It is. The brain stuff was was super gross, but uh, the art was glorious. I really had a uh, great time with this book. I also thought the kind of like last panel was such a classic kind of spawn action moment. So I was very excited about that. Yeah, I think this is an it continues to be an interesting book and uh, uh, done well. And, uh, you know, sometimes you got to fight dogs. Sometimes you got to feed them brains. You know what I mean? you got to figure out where you stand with dogs. You know what I mean?
2: Uh, what's your move on that? Do you feel like you throw the brain? <laughs>
3: Well, you know, in a tight spot, you know, uh, uh, you know, either carry pork chops in your pocket or uh, be ready to, uh, you know, because guard dogs are, you know, they're, they're and not doing that well anyway, sometimes.
0: right? You just walk around with a pork chop in case you get hungry. Yeah. Or, you know, run into a guard dog. You got to be ready. Oh, okay. Yeah, it has multiple uses. Well, what I guess what I would say is, if you have brains or like brains, pick up King Spawn Number Twenty One. Moving on to talk about,
2: it is weird that the brain. He has the brains at the. It's like it feels like the brains is the product almost here. It's like he's like. Use brains for the dog and then hold on to your brains for the end. You might need a new brain over there. It was like, is he selling brains? It's like you see Pepsi in a movie is It's what it felt
0: like. Uh, product placement for big brain. I get what you're saying. That's
2: what I'm saying. Big brain.
0: Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty, number 11 from Marvel, written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, art by Carmen Carnero. In this issue, after a big sacrifice of the last issue, Captain America and his friends are fighting back against MODOK and all of his forms. He's taken over New York City. And as usual with this book, there are some big, wild splash pages going on, some huge action and also some emotional moments for Captain America. I I love everything. Clearly, I love <laughs> all, everything in this. Deck. I don't know. You
2: did. You stopped I, short. Almost yeah, like it, a, a catch in your throat.
0: It For was. Uh, this
3: is a great time. I mean, I'm loving the action. I'm loving the emotional moments with Bucky. Uh, the MODOC having, an, uh, spoilers, but having a little MODOC in his eye socket. I, it's, saying that out loud seems insane, but it looked really cool in the comic, which was impressive. So, uh, yeah, I'm having a great time with this. This continues to be uh, a heck of a comic that you must pick up because they are killing it.
2: It's sort of a weirder Captain America story that's just really well told. We've got like a team of uh, ragtag invaders around him. Uh, Bucky's sort of the bad guy. He's in a way infiltrated this like secret Illuminati style organization, but he seems to have bought into it, at least to some degree. Uh, Last issue, a member of their team died and there's some emotional resonance there. Uh, The... The only part, I I don't know what Cap's romantic situation here is. Mm -hmm. Uh, That part, I'm like, is that actually happening or is it not?
0: I think it's actually happening. So... Spoiler here, but towards the end of the issue, Cap asks Sharon Carter – it's Sharon Carter, right? Sharon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. to move into it with him, and she's like, of course, you dumb nerd. Of course I'm going to move in with you. That wasn't built up very well for the previous issues at all. Um, So I don't know what happened there. It feels like it's picking up on some storyline that I didn't read. You Well,
2: and maybe that's just that the status quo is that he's with Sharon – and mm-hmm. I've just never seen it happen. I've never seen the chemistry. It's always just like, what's happening? So I would love to hear. And again, like this isn't a criticism of this book, because I love this book. But I want to see an arc, a full-on, like, Sharon Capp loves book, love story. Mm-hmm. That, would that would be great.
0: Cool. Fables 158 from DC Comics, written by Bill yes. Lillingham, art by Mark Buckingham. And this issue, our wolf children are all grown up. And fighting against a bunch of folks. Pete, you were super into this. Take yeah, this away. The,
3: team Ham here is just absolutely uh, killing the game. It's so great to have.
2: That's uh, us. Th- we're Team Ham, right? Nope. Nope. That's our nickname. Buckingham
3: and Willingham
0: is Team Ham. Oh, asshole, pay gotcha. attention. Uh, so, so, i just, sorry. We're doing that eating contest where we have to eat as much ham as possible. What are we right? calling our team then? Uh, we're calling Book Club. We're um, still comic book club guys. Right. We're going
2: to stick with comic club even though we're <laughs> eating ham.
0: Yes.
3: Okay. Yeah. Right.
2: Feels like a and missed opportunity. People know. If we can't
3: change our name for an eating contest. It doesn't make any sense. Anyways, uh, so well, the we're ham, do
2: the we're gonna do the eating contest though, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are. We have to do at We signed I'm
3: on. And I'm a gonna be crazy about ham. To prep. Yeah, I'm gonna beat both of you. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, my point being, uh, real quick, just, let's just go oh through what God. our nicknames are because my nickname is Honey Baked. What's your nickname? Uh,
2: that's a great. Uh, Spiral
3: is my nickname Anyways, if we could please <laughs> <lose> focus <laughs>
2: You guys got a lot of ham knowledge
3: Right off the top of the top yeah, I mean, Come on, man It's almost Easter uh, You gotta be ready for ham Anyways yeah. and
0: so, Justin, yeah. your nickname is Bone Inn Is that correct? <laughs> yeah
2: well, That's on the back of my jersey But i am shank you very much Oh, wow. Anyways. uh, Jake, thank you for listening.
3: (laughs) The the panels here, the little just side panel stuff, I just love it so much. The attention to detail, the splash pages, these giant monsters that come to life in this story. It's just, it's so magical and great. It it makes me feel like I'm a a kid again with those kind of uh, uh, stories. I I just, I, I can't get enough of these. The fables are just so great.
2: I guess I'll go with Hawk if you're horny. (laughs) uh the uh, what i love about fables is they always find a way to put their characters in jeopardy and high-stakes situations that feel scary and we get it again here in the back half of this book also they take the time to construct their villains in a way that make them the central focus of the story and that here again we've just established this guy who is now terrifying
0: yeah Junk Rabbit, number one, from Image Comics by Jimmy Robinson. This takes place in a future world where most of the world has been covered by junk. There's a rabbit out there, and the rabbit is killing people in the junk. What do you guys think about this book?
3: Well, I mean, first off, the rabbit, you know, we get this, you know, spoilers, but sick splash page at, at the end. But I'm excited for this. I feel like they do an interesting job of setting it up. I like the art style. I like this kind of world that they establish. And I'm excited for more, and I'm hoping this rabbit's going to fuck up the bad guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> is this the cat book you were talking about?
2: Nope. um oh, mm. great. Uh, I'm curious. We meet some characters. We establish the world. One of these characters is the junk rabbit, right?
0: Yeah, I feel like Anybody? it would be the rabbit at the end.
2: Yeah. Yes. No, I know that, but the junk that <laughs> r- has a mascot. Oh, so we yeah. meet oh, some sort oh, of yeah, like oh, young. I see what no, You're right, I, Alex. I will say I did spot the rabbit. As, okay, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I knew it was super clear when it, clear, it, when was yeah. it hard came to, to who the junk well, rabbit was. Out of the like, cover,
0: can you spot the rabbit? oh no, they yeah, don't. No. It, it was, check inside. It was, it was like, to find out. <laughs> no. Nope. Uh, so, like, I,
2: I just. I feel like I didn't get to know these characters enough to be mm-hmm. invested in who, which one of them is the rabbit. The world seems interesting. A lot of junk. Very, almost a wall level of garbage in this world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice reference.
0: <laughs> yeah. And Mayor Eric Adams was talking about that in New York, right? That we're almost at WALL-E levels. Yeah. No I
2: know. He... <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Who's here for the Eric Adams takedown that we're bringing?
0: it's great. He also speaks
2: a lot like Wally. I think he has Wally voice.
0: And here's one that I am super excited to talk about. I'll just take it from here. Thanks, Alex. Yeah. So this fake Wolverine
3: comic is a fucking shuttle for a beast comic where it's a fucking. Hold on, it's basically minions. Let me say what it
0: is. and grew is fucking Pete, Beast. It's fucking you're bullshit. you're going to get your chance. You're going to get your chance. Absolutely. Wow. I have been excited to hear from you legitimately all week about this book. Wolverine number 32 from Marvel, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Juan Jose Rip, as revealed in the last issue, or the last two issues, I guess. Beast really is seemingly the villain here. He is saying that he has the best interests of Krakoa at heart. The X-Force is not strong enough. He's got to out X-Force X-Force by taking down the foes of Krakoa. So he has separated a giant skull beast island off of Krakoa that is filled with multiple beasts at multiple brain dead Wolverines who he is using to attack the enemies of Krakoa. Meanwhile, Wolverine has kind of figured out what he's doing that in this issue confronts the quiet council and is be like, what have you shitbags let beast do you absolute idiots. Yeah. So there is a conflict brewing, but we also get to see beast go directly for Maverick classic 90s, 2000s X-Men character who is stealing drugs and flowers from coca Um, So lots yes. of stuff going on here. Pete, I know you're holding it in, or you didn't hold it at all. So didn't, yeah,
2: didn't yeah. do that. Take yeah, it this Give your is rec. this
3: is really upsetting. I I don't understand who this is for or, or why we're doing this, but we're having uh, you know mom and dad fight here, and I don't like to see Beast and Wolverine fighting. I like it when we're all on the same team. I also. You know, I appreciate growing a giant organic uh, skull body as much as the next guy, but then having like <laughs> yeah. little wolverines come out of the hands to be claws is dumb. I, I just—that's no. no. very cool. No, that's very cool. No, I can't Pete. enjoy it. I can't no, enjoy it because being the point. they're believe. being used. I can't believe they're being used like these mindless minions, and I can't. I can't abide by it. It's just upsetting. I'm I don't, sorry, I, Pete. Please. I'm sorry. I know
0: we talk about. Opinions on this show. Beast piloting a enormous skull mecca under the ocean that pops out claws that are Wolverines is unequivocally cool. Nope. There is no question about that. That rules.
3: No, it doesn't. It is, no, it doesn't. Because it it's cool. a fucking evil beast doing evil shit against Wolverine and against others. And it's very upsetting. I can't enjoy this because I'm so fucking angry about what's happening. Because you love Beast. Just sit around going, oh, this is a nice island. Yeah. Fuck all of this.
2: Wait, because you you like Beast, you're saying, and you don't like him up to no good.
3: I I enjoy Beast as a character very much. I also enjoy Wolverine as a character, and it's just uh, I don't like this heading buds, uh, Budding heads for whatever reason that we don't know. We're not privy yeah, to what's going on. We heading just have to some sit here. On
0: 420. you know what I'm talking <laughs>
3: about. Hey man, I don't know what impression you're doing, but I don't fucking appreciate it. All right, uh, Cornell. Uh, fucking. Well. Why don't you put your fucking <laughs> figure in a socket and do your hair, you fuck? Listen, <laughs> wow. this is. Upsetting what? stuff. <laughs> You're having a Wolverine title that is fucking Wolverine. I, uh, why hey, would you like
2: change yeah. the title no,
0: no, no. House of X it and Powers different. of axe was a Wolverine title that was fucking Wolverine. Oh no, you know, my that's, you
2: know I mean? we haven't seen it yet. That's what that's what Hickman's coming back for. For Sex Moon, <laughs> Sex Moon is going to be the.
0: <laughs> I've got this really big idea. It's a porno. I, yeah, I just, exactly. I, let me it ask It makes he, me so mad
3: reading this. And the fact that I can't enjoy this giant skull uh, island that moves—it's it, 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 uh,
2: it's well. First mysterious. off, let me say if there's—we talk a lot about wait, this wait, issue. Let
3: me just say the one positive thing: the art yeah. is great. Okay, thank
2: you, Justin. Great. Go ahead. Um, we talk a lot about this issue, but I think we can firmly say when it comes to this skull island, this island fucks—that's for sure. Uh, secondarily, Pete, do you get upset? Like, what if I told you I had like seven Wolverine action figures here behind me? And I'm just letting them do whatever they want over here. They're just over here. <laughs> They're doing stuff that Wolverine would never do. They're coming out of an island monster hand like claws. Does that bother you when my action figures are doing stuff? Nope. You can do well, whatever see, you want with your action figures. Because here's the thing. This in is this supposed comic, to be
3: for us, uh, the people who like us. and
2: love Wolverine. Wolverine's in this book, and he's pissed. I have a feeling in the coming issues, you're going to see him cut up a lot of Wolverine's. A lot of Wolverine beast. and not. And beasts. He's going to
0: kill a lot of beasts. He's going to kill a lot of Wolverines. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. I'm, right. I understand I'm waiting for going it to start
3: being awesome. Because right now it's just watching your parents fight, and that's not awesome.
2: Your parents are Beast and Wolverine in this that's analogy?
4: Right.
2: Okay. Yep. I love to – I look forward to seeing them and explaining to them, looking at <laughs> them and being like, which one of you is a Beast and what you want to use Wolverine.
3: If you met my parents it would be very clear.
2: <laughs> Great. Good to no. Your mom listens to this, right? The no. thing I was uh also going to say is like I like this. I like that this feels like uh Benjamin Percy is taking all the stuff on the table and being like here's something that's weird with it. Because so much of it is like yeah, the X-Men all just um resurrect. And then that's just the status quo and we just don't ever play around in there. And I appreciate that this book since Percy took over has been playing hard in the Wolverine universe and coming, getting us to a place where you got beasts and Wolverines like punching a clock, like they work in some big office building, but that building happens to be a walking,
0: swimming Island. (laughs) I also think this is great. I also think the art is great. Go fuck yourselves. Okay. Sorry.
2: I will do that.
0: Yes, myself as well. And I think, uh, you know, when that porno finally comes out from Jonathan Hickman, we'll all see ourselves fuck ourselves. Batman and the Joker, the <laughs> deadly duo, number six from DC Comics by Mark Silvestri. In this issue, Batman and the Joker have finally met the villain of this series, a bride who is self- I don't know, heals replicates, whatever you want to call it. And she is creating a bunch of evil Joker clones to take over the city or destroy the city or something like that. Basically, she's a vengeful bride character. You get the gist. And Batman and Joker finally do. In fact, need to team up to take her down in this issue. Um, What'd you guys think?
3: Uh, well, I'm a, a sucker for Mark Silvestri art. I just think he's such a great artist. I, I really uh, thought it was very cool when Batman put that uh, key around his neck and was like, "Come and get it, Joker." So I, yeah, I was I was geeking out uh, big time on this. Worth it for the art alone.
2: And that's sort of the mystery we have: is like, what is that key, and why is it so important to um, the jokester? Uh I agree this art is really fun and uh I like the use of all the characters here. It, I I don't know what the point of it is, but I, I Batman being like I can't believe I'm teaming up with this Joker, but I really need his help here. And then I'm then I'm going to catch him real good. But then most of the time he's like Joker, run after run over there. Hurry up. <laughs> it's like so I, I don't quite know there's a little bit of tension there. I don't know how those mm-hmm. two things are going to coexist for almost any longer than literally where we are right now.
0: The two things that I'll mention in opposite directions. One, I think the design of the villain here is very good. Like, it's clearly thought out as, oh, this could be a new Gotham City villain that we use in different aspects. So I like that quite a bit on the opposite end of the spectrum, the way that Mark Silvestri writes this Batman, he's very resigned to letting people die, which yeah. I know is realistic and whatever blah 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 but I'm reading comic books and Batman doesn't let people die and uh just the idea that he's like oh man Joker only killed 100 people this time all right got to keep working with him. It just That's doesn't a s- That's a win. That's a win for Batman. Only 100. <laughs> yeah. Joker I do It doesn't sit well with me. It makes me very uncomfortable but overall Yeah, after some janky parts at the beginning of this series, I think it's really rocky and rolling. And it's just like... Very high octane two thousands level Batman, which is fun to read. Let's move on to a book called Hairball number one from Dark Horse comics written by Matt Kent, art by Tyler Jenkins. Justin, this this is, is a book it. about a bunch this of humans it. that live in a house, the end. And let's move on to the next book, which is Blood Tree number three from Image Comics written by Peter Jett. None of you are gonna stop me. Well, you know, I, we're on, you when know, we're
2: on the train. I just like yeah. to ride, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> okay. Well, we actually talked to Matt Kent about this on our live show show a couple of months ago. He had some Uh, really interesting things to say about this terrifying horror book about a cat that is living in a abusive household. Pete, you're our cat expert. Take this one away, please. Yeah,
3: this is really really hard for me because I love cats, but this cat is clearly very fucked up and the eye thing really freaks me the fuck out. Uh, Love the art, um, but uh, yeah, I'm very scared uh, the jumping to the kind of interview portion is creepy. And uh, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm really worried about who the hero is. And hopefully this kid is going to be okay. And hopefully this cat isn't going to kill her, uh, even though mm. she like bitter. And I, I don't know. But uh, it's very intriguing and very well drawn. And, uh, you know, cats are mysterious and, and creepy.
2: Would you let your cat, a cat that you had, read this book?
3: Um no, I don't think I would. Uh I would wait maybe to see more about what happens before I let my cat read it. Um just because I don't want my cat to get the wrong impression of uh what I think of cats or uh what is okay because if, you know, cat saw that it would, you know, bit a kid and maybe think it was that that was cool. I don't want them thinking about that. It.
2: Yeah. What do you let your cats read? Uh oh.
3: <laughs> uh, no, mostly my fanfic,
2: you Shakespeare. Know. Oh,
3: cat fanfic. Yep,
2: yep. Let <laughs> me say, Pete, that is almost the weirdest answer you could have said. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wrote this about you, cat. I love you. Read this. <laughs> it's about you. Uh, we talked about this book. It's it's really scary. I'm surprised it's a cont- an ongoing uh, mm-hmm. because I feel like it 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 has all the sort of airs of a one-off horror story Uh, it it tells a great story the character is really cool and i think it makes a great point so i'm curious how much more story we're going to get
0: Blood Tree, number three, from Image Comics, written by Peter J. Tomasi, art by Maxim Simmis. This is following two detectives who are tracking down a killer who is dressing people up as angels and leaving their bodies places. Uh, in this issue, they make a big breakthrough in the case, and also a big breakthrough in absolutely wrecking the way that White Castle looks. I think that's the big thing <laughs> we got to talk about here. I know I brought it up earlier, but those are not White Castle burgers, man. Like. Yeah. Sorry, I understand. You can't Um, do that. You can't do it. And it breaks the reality of the book. And I'm done with this book. I'm not reading this comic anymore.
2: Wow. I I respect it because I, if someone was like, "I could you draw some White Castle burgers? I'd be like, well, I certainly don't want to go there and eat them. So I'll just guess (laughs) and probably get (laughs) close.
3: What are you saying, dude? White Castle has phenomenal burgers. Uh, they're absolutely delicious. You got to get them steamed. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about.
2: What, what is your favorite food to order in a sack by the sack? I guess. Is it just uh, white castle? White castle Ugers? is
3: definitely up there for sure. <laughs> I would think. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I always get a sacks of a uh, caviar. Dude, I used to get the suitcase. Uh, you kidding
3: me? Dude, the fucking suitcase was the, was the thing back in the day. Suitcase. Yeah. You get a whole crave case, bro.
2: That's when you want to die. That's when you're like, see you later, world. Would you take I'm that to out. business
0: meetings or what exactly? Yeah, yeah, the party. No, that's the briefcase. That's oh, the briefcase. Okay. Oh, okay. Anyway, I am joking because I actually do think this title is very good. It's a good mystery. They're writing these detectives at the top of their intelligence, which is Frankly, not an easy thing to do, particularly for mystery comics. Um, The mystery is interesting. They're definitely on the offensive here, which is great. Um, So good crime comics. This is really well done. White Castle stuff aside.
3: Yeah, I agree. White Castle stuff aside, I think uh, we get like a lot of information in this issue, which is great and kind of gets you excited for more.
2: I guess we should start every podcast with White Castle stuff aside, and then get into our reviews because it's sort of a nice
0: catch-all.
3: I would like to start talking more about White Castle. Actually, <laughs> I have a lot of uh, fantastic uh, White Castle stories. I've yeah, what do you think more...
0: about the chicken rings, Pete?
3: Oh man, <laughs> you know it's you know until you eat them, you have a lot of thoughts. You know, I mean? that's and made up though, like, right? Oh, and then still... afterwards,
0: you have no thoughts,
2: and then <laughs> yes. you be like delicious chicken. They're chicken uh, anuses? Is
0: that what we're talking about? The chicken yeah. rings? Yeah, they're Milk. deep fried, uh, sorry, steamed chicken anus. <laughs> <laughs> no, only the burgers are steamed, bro. Come on. Oh, okay.
2: Steamed hams. I like this comic, and I think that it does a great job of <laughs> switching the perspective to the villain a little bit, which gives us some nice extra tension. I feel like we're barreling toward a confrontation, Yeah, uh, which I'm excited for.
0: Scarlet Witch, number four from Marvel, written by Steve Orlando, art by Sarah Pacelli. Here we are breaking the done-in-one format of the previous issues to finally reveal what is going on with this universe's Darcy. Turns out she basically attacked, I want to say, whatever the Marvel Universe version of Themyscira is, and tried to... The Bakai
2: is the group Yeah, there you go.
0: But that's what they are. I mean, there yes. there are a the bunch Amazons. of yeah, there are a bunch of Amazons, um, and uh, we find out a lot more about that as Scarlet Witch battles them. We're going to continue into the next issue. What you guys think about this? I think this is great. Uh,
3: love the art style. Love all the action. Uh, the showdown kind of battle is really cool. I mean, she gets hit with a fire hydrant, which you don't really see much, which was really badass. That kind of was. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit. Uh, but yeah, yeah I just. Uh, super type bananas are. Have a great time with this.
2: You don't really see the water come out once the fire hydrants used as a weapon. Surprised by that. Love the art, Sarah Pacelli's art, and like I, yeah. I've been hyping this book a lot. I think it's great. We're exploring the Darcy side. I think is fun, but I'm excited to get back to our status quo of uh, Scarlet Witch and the door and all that fun stuff. Um, but I, I, I do understand we need to learn more about Darcy. She is sort of a little Her bit the suit. bad. The bad guy uh, see, here though. What so are you I'm talking curious. About? You watch your mind. She is. She she killed someone. It's we sort of land on that it was in self-defense, but like yeah. just feels a little like, oh, okay. And then we're gonna switch back to her and she's back on the hero side. So I'm curious, it's definitely setting up a more um, nuanced character than I thought.
0: Where monsters lie number three from Dark Horse Comics, written by oh, Kyle Starks, oh, art oh, by man. Piotr Kowalski. This is following a town or more of a cul-de-sac, let's say, that is filled with a the serial killers right say, out of community. slasher movies. There is a cop who's coming straight for them. It's all God to hell as of the last issue. And here the cop goes on the offensive to take these serial killers out. There's some twists. There's some turns. There's some hilarious, gross, bloody moments. Pete, you seem oh. pretty psyched. Take it away. Yeah, This I, is like
2: a number one Pete book of the week right here.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those things where I wish we would
3: have had uh, the writer on to talk about how great this Pete, is. Because, we did. We talked uh, to Kyle Starks about this book on our live show. Oh, that's great. That's great news. Anyways, I, I just think that this is it, this is a lot of fun. First off, the art is really fantastic. does a great job of capturing all these crazy kind of... Uh, uh, bad guys, and I, I, what I like about this is it's not just like a horror thing where it's like scary, fucked up. They do a great job of like giving you hope and being like, oh my god, maybe they're gonna be able to be, a-. and then just like this that last panel was like, oh shit. Uh, so I just feel like they're, they're doing a great job of balancing so it's not just All scary all the time. Uh, But, man, it's a ton of fun. You're rooting for the good guys. But also I love the line of that kid getting uh, caught again. It's just like, fuck every part of my life. Yeah, It was just such a fun line.
2: It's funny to me that you are so down with this because you don't like scary stuff. But this is, like to me, nonstop horrifying violence. Well, but
3: that's the thing, though. We also have good guys fighting against them in a way Mm. that's like, uh, you know. So, you know, through my fingers, I can kind of I'm rooting for the good guys and hoping that uh, they can win.
2: I love to see that. The guy one guy picks up a lawnmower. In a surprising (laughs) place, I thought. Yeah. I found that to be a surprising to. You have a lawnmower behind you right now, right? I do. And I would pick it up by the handle. This guy has other ideas.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Adventures of Superman, John Kent, number two from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Clayton Henry. In this issue, John has been recruited by President Superman and Red Tornado, who is his mom in another body from another universe, to help try to take down Ultraman the version of Superman that kept him trapped in a volcano for years, so it's personal. This time, there's a big twist by the end of this book that takes us further along the road to injustice and the crossover with the main DC universe. What would you guys think about this one? Justin, you want to start? Yeah, I...
2: I love this. I mean, this book is – it's going on a a much wider trajectory. And I know um, Tom Taylor talked a lot about sort of what we were getting into here and it was going to be a little bit bigger than uh, he thought – than we thought. And I think it's really paying that off. I also find it interesting that between this and the Batman book, our sort of main DC heroes are mostly – away on different mm-hmm. uh, multiversal planes, lost, basically. Uh, so that's an interesting um, sort of synchronicity, I thought. And uh, the Lois stuff, both um, Lois uh, in the real world, um, talking about what it's like to be uh, in a romantic relationship with a hero, uh, seeing that play out, I thought was great. And then the red tornado, Lois, also s- s- sad and emotional with what we see with what happens there.
0: Pete, what about you? What do you think about this one?
3: uh, This is uh, really, really crazy and intense. I mean, uh, I I love the art style. I thought that was very cool. There's kind of like a nice, uh, almost like airbrush feel to it, if you will, a softness, if you will. This is really cool. And I'm not sure I'm uh, fighting with myself on whether I should spoil what's happening. But I definitely out loud said, oh, shit, Uh, I was... uh, very surprised by what happened uh, in this issue. So uh,
2: That sounds kinda, like a good, that's a positive thing.
0: It, yeah. was, it was crazy. Hell to pay number four from Image Comics written by Charles Soule, art by Will Sliney in this issue. We are flashing back to find out about our villain for the series and what his origin story is. What would you guys think about this one? Great! I thought that just the
2: actual text that Charles Soul is writing, especially at the, at the beginning, talking about like money, what money means, and then we just follow this journey. It's almost just a standalone comic about uh, uh, someone trying to struggling and trying to find their place in the world, and how money and greed and capitalism just slowly turn them into someone who's willing to do anything uh, to get, achieve their goals. And I really like that.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we're kind of dealing with this uh, creepy skull man and uh, making deals with a devil type character, which is never a good idea. I don't know why this keeps coming up. Uh, Apparently, people are making deals with devils, but uh, don't. It's not going to go well.
2: As long as you talk it out with a devil, I've never had a problem.
3: I feel like uh, in the history of deals, there hasn't been one that was like, all right. You know, what I mean? well, no, like,
2: you sign your name and then the scroll rolls up into his hand Then he smiles and laughs and licks his lips and licks his fingers and then vanishes. And I've never had a problem.
0: <laughs> really? Never had so a problem. So far.
2: So far. I sold but my you show th- to
0: co-host a mid-tier comic book podcast for the rest <laughs> of my natural life. And that didn't turn out badly. Surely Aww. that wasn't the
2: devil, though. That was some <laughs> like middle management demon.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It was a guy painted red. I do know that. Like, he was a very, Wait. he was red in the face. <laughs> you said he was painted red? Because the devil, no. I think, is red. I don't know. No. I made a mistake. Red. <laughs> I made a big mistake. Was oh, it a Comic Con? Yeah, it was a Comic-Con. Ah, geez. The Amazing Spider-Man number 23 from Marvel, written by Zeb Wells, art by John Romita Jr. In this issue, Spider-Man has been sent out of this alternate reality that he and Mary Jane were trapped in. He is desperately trying to get back to her and clashing with a bunch of Marvel heroes in the process. Justin, I know you love this one, so take it away, please.
2: I'm really loving this run. This was like uh, almost like Crank for Spider-Man. He is just racing through uh, the the world, trying to get his way back to Mary Jane. He can't get there and struggling. He's willing to punch anybody, and I mean anybody in the face at this point. (laughs) Um, And he knows what's happening. We already know what happens down the line. So the tension is there, and... When Peter Parker's really under the thumb of the situation, that's what he. I find him the most. uh, Like I just need to watch it.
3: Yeah, Ramita Junior's art is just worth it alone. I mean, this is just absolutely beautiful, very cool stuff here. I'm very nervous uh, about the other shoe dropping in this book, where we're going to kind of get some answers about the MJ uh, Peter's situation, and I'm scared well, I, about what's going to happen. I think we know
2: what happened. Watch out! What happened in the other dimension? Making a baby. You know what I mean. I
3: I mean I don't know, and uh, and I'm scared to find out. Well, okay. we're going to find out in
0: issue twenty five and twenty six. So you have at least a little bit of time of that. Um, well, I'm enjoying I'm it gonna be, I'm going to no, be. A I'll, I'll send
2: you some drawings. I'll send you some drawings, Pete.
0: I, I gotta oh, say, thanks. I normally love John Romita Jr. stuff, and I think he does generally good art in this book. The way that he draws bruised Peter Parker occasionally here is like looking mm. at a Picasso painting, and it's very weird. It is maybe my least favorite thing he has done since Gorilla Grodd over in Superman, which looked like wow. some sort of Yeti or something like that. I. I understand this is very rude. He is a legend. He does yeah, great thank work. Thank you. He's a legend. How dare you, man? But it's weird. There's, there's some perspective stuff that is just incorrect in this book. And it stuck out to me.
2: Yeah, no, I, that's fair because it does look like a little like, like the lump is just floating. Like it's, a. I I hear you on that, but it, the, the pace of the story and the, yeah, the speed at which the drawings are rendered, it feels like it syncs up for me, and I like
3: that. Uh, Sal, but I'm sorry, I just wanted to check. Are you uh, the kind of asshole who just go walk up to the Mona Lisa and be like, oh, it's small. It's,
0: like, it's small." Is she smiling or she's not smiling? Like, make a decision. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Just, I say, throw some on.
2: soup on that. Throw some soup on that painting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Absolutely. Put on
2: your soup suit. Put on your soup suit, Mona.
0: <laughs> Stillwater number 18 from Image Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Ramon K. Perez. This is the final issue of this title for now, where finally we find out what is going to happen to the town where nobody could die. Turns out it is a knocked out, drag out fight where people repeatedly not die in the worst ways possible. Um, And there's a big change to the world at the end that promises that maybe they're actually going to revisit this world at some point. How do you guys feel about how this all tied up or not in this case?
2: I'm curious if they will uh, revisit this world because I think it could be cool. Uh, To me, I I like this series, especially the first half. And then it got a little bit like sort of – a lot of characters, a lot of things happening. And it was a little hard to follow the individual plot points, I thought. And plus, everything had to be like big meetings between big people. And it was always like, okay, take him to the edge of town where he can die. Like, oh, let's just kill him over here and bury him. Like, it it just felt a little like the, the backbone, the narrative backbone, got a little bit wobbly for me in the middle. I really like where it ended, though, and I'd be curious for more.
3: Yeah, I mean – Stillwater, the town where nobody dies. is It's an interesting idea, and I think they did a really great job of exploring it and pushing it and kind of like uh, uh, doing a lot of crazy cool things with it. Uh, I love the art style. The kind of stuff that happens in this issue was intense and amazing. Um, but then the ending where it was kind of like, eh, I was a little like, wow, well, you know. Uh, but... Uh, overall, I was super impressed um, with everything. Uh, so the, the ending was a
0: little, and you were a little.
3: Yeah, exactly. But okay. I still had a
0: great time. So check out more. Yeah. The Jesus metaphors were laid on pretty thick in this particular Jesus. issue. Yeah, Agreed. Yes. Uh, but at the same time, I I agree with you, Justin. I think. They really went for it with this series. So whether you agree with the direction or not, they were taking chances and they were pushing it. And that's appreciated.
2: Let me just say one more thing. It does, This feels like a movie mm-hmm. um, that they then turned into like a seer, like a TV series. Like there was a little bit of padding, I think, as the story continued on. When if this was just a tighter uh, package, like um, well, what was, uh, the 18th issue.
0: Yeah, no, I I think you're right. If anything, I think it felt like there was a fair degree of improvisation that was going on here at a certain point, which is fine, but it maybe led to that meandering nature of the story when it is something that I do think, whether it's Chip Zdarsky or otherwise, could change it into like a killer movie, like you're saying. So I don't know, we'll see. Or a one season limited series TV show. Either way, Mosley number three from Boob Studios, written by Rob Gilroy, art by Sam Lofty. In this issue, our main character, who is a dude who hates AI and got a big old hammer, is going after the gods of this new world. Pete,
1: go. This is I for just, you.
3: I, yeah, I mean, I love uh old uh, dude who's got a hammer and doesn't mind, uh, you know, uh, uh, fucking shit up. So, yeah, this was definitely uh, in my wheelhouse. The uh, art style is fantastic love the character design especially the villains and the uh, the hammer was so cool. I also love the uh, uh the kind of like um oh god the god killer seeking another scalp was such a cool villain line um, yeah I, I i had a blast with this uh action was glorious and uh cool story.
2: We talked about in the or previous issues the mix of like myth and high end tech sci-fi mm-hmm. and i think they're doing a good job of, of mixing that especially um when it's like the, through the lens of like big old fights with swinging hammers you know what i mean and that's what we get here
0: yep Absolutely, I hate this place. Number seven, and also that's the name of this comic, I, Image <laughs> Comics. Hey-o. hey written by hey. Kyle You're Starks. All right, buddy. Maybe you should talk to somebody. Ooh, ooh. Art by Art Yam Toplin. In this issue, are two main characters who have inherited the worst farm in the entire world have been captured by the cult leader that raised one of them and they are fleeing to the woods to get away from them. Of course, the woods is every horror imaginable. Another great issue of this book that is wildly, wildly creative and awesome. The end. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I've really been enjoying this. I'm curious, uh, again, where it's going to go, because we've had like a lot of people showing up at this house being like, well, we're going to kill you. And then the ghost situation sort of helps them or kills the bad guys. Are we just going to keep getting murderous people from their past? Because I feel like we're getting close to exposing some of the mysteries of the every horror situation all at once in the surrounding areas of the house. So I'd like to get a little bit of taste of that, but still more fun uh, run and hide type adventures here.
3: Yeah, I'm having a a fun time with this. I just think the the art style is very cool. A lot happens in this issue. Um, You know, the devil character showing up crazy looking, a lot of fighting, which I appreciated. Uh, It continues to be an
0: interesting book. Breath of Shadows, number three from IDW, written by Rich Dweck, art by Alex Cormack. In this issue, our band who has been traveling into the heart of darkness meet the Marlon Brando in this situation and find out some weird semi-mystical things are going on, as well as more centipede horror. How would you feel about this issue? Justin, we'll go to you since Pete was scared. (laughs) <laughs>
2: you were scared, Pete, because you don't like all yeah. the bugs. Uh, but the uh, bugs are in the news. I mean, you got Blue Beetle, mm-hmm. Spider Man.
3: Oh, dude, can't wait to talk about that. Ant we Man. With it's your... all
2: bugs. It's all, it's all hey, this business. Listen, listen, kid. Hey, listen, kid. This business is all bugs. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> bugs life. Yeah, bugs life. Obviously, ants. Mm-hmm. Alex, shouts
0: yeah, uh, I'm, I'm the youngest today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too tired to do it right now. I'm sorry. i love,
2: I love that we could say the word ants and you'd be like, well, clearly they're calling for my uh, Woody Allen ant. And That's you, do, you do wants. it. There's That's what There's nothing
0: controversial about that at this time, oh, no, boy. No. All right, let's No, no, not. no. What a, uh, yeah, this what was, a time. It, what oh, I was going to say,
2: though, uh, before, I, you're still scared. Sorry, this what situation. were you
0: going to say? Were you going to say, up here, they all look like odds. Oh, <laughs>
2: He's got a bag of tricks, I'll tell you that much. the I like the art this the tone of this feels like the horror is right there. I'm a little confused about how the relationships work because everyone gets in a fight about the woman with them and I was like, who's she's dating one of them the other one likes her or like doesn't like him like it was a little bit hard to uh, track that stuff but I um, when the flip when the switch fully flips and we're into the full horror nature, I think this book is gonna really come alive.
3: Well, yeah, speaking of coming alive, there's plenty of bugs that are creeping and crawling and grossing me the fuck out. There's no way I would kiss anybody in this fucking nightmare of a book. You gotta be kidding me when they stop to have a kind of smooch. I was like, Get the fuck out of here with this. There's no time All right, for anything. I gotta call
0: it. you out on that. That is one hundred percent not true. If a hot girl in the jungle, even if there's bugs around, was like, Hey Pete, you wanna make out with me? You you'd make out with her.
3: Well Eat listen, kiss. there's a difference. Well, first off, you know, I don't like how you said any of this up, but, uh, you know, I, because I, it's
0: true. You don't like the truth. True.
3: No, I just think, uh, you know, uh, there's a time for love and then there's a time to run for your fucking life because you're in the middle of a surrounded by creepy ass motherfuckers everywhere. So, you know. Uh, We're
2: going to find out what happens, because we got an all-expense-paid trip for you to go to the deepest, darkest heart of the jungle in South America. And there's a lot of love waiting for you, because you're the next Bachelor. Wow. (laughs)
0: I'll tell you what. I would watch The Bachelor if they let them loose into the jungle with horrible (laughs) (laughs) little centipede monsters.
2: Okay, ladies. You've got a glass of um, vodka tonic. (laughs) and a rose and you gotta find that man in here (laughs) he's somewhere in this jungle
0: yeah oh my god wait no that's a great idea like not to pitch uh something on this podcast but a dating show called heart of darkness where you send a bunch of singles into the jungle to find the guy that they want to be with hero's journey amazing wow That's great. We came up with it. Well, I guess that's it for the podcast. I think it's called Survivor. I think they already kind of did that, but all right. man. No, this is legitimately a great idea. I'm going to pitch it to HBO Max tomorrow. (laughs) Almighty number three from Image Comics by Edward LaRoche. In this issue, our main character. Well, there's two main characters, one who is on the run, the other one who is trying to take her on the run. This issue, we have an all-out fight with the cops where she just slaughters a ridiculous amount of cops. Um, This is a big action issue. And I think they drew the action and they paced out the action very well.
2: I like this book a lot. The action is great. Uh, The the art style like reminds me of sort of uh, like early image, like invincible, if invincible and walking dead met right in the middle, maybe uh, something like that. I think it's really good. And uh, the mysterious uh, character here who can take some damage, but also can wreck everything. I like her. I like where we're headed. Yeah, I love the art and the action.
3: It's uh, super intense, but a a lot of fun. So uh, uh,
0: very cool. Last but not least, Koshki in Hell, number four from Dark Horse Comics, written by Mike Mignola, art by Ben Stenbeck. This is wrapping up the tale of Koshki the Undying, who kind of died the last issue, but of course didn't completely die because he's in hell. And he goes through a very dreamlike state and a bunch of different states over the course of this issue until... Big spoiler here. He reaches a sort of peace by the end, which I thought was very interesting and very satisfying. I agree. This is number four of four. I had a blast with this story. This is very much. uh, (laughs) And it's it's published by Dark Horse Comics. Did you know that it was written by Mick Mignola and the art is by Ben Stenbeck?
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's cool we've we've are recapping all the same things again this is fun. we
2: gotta recap it we gotta recap it.
3: Uh, sorry that i wanted to bring up it was four of four but I, okay. I thought it had a good kind of uh four issue run that i enjoyed all the issues it w- really felt like a cool hellboy comic with uh i don't know how to pronounce his name but uh yeah i Koshky. just think it was, <laughs> yeah uh old koshki uh, but I just felt like, uh, what I said, yeah, I know it's not what you said. And I said, I didn't know how to pronounce
0: it. So I yeah, wanted and Then to I said it, it. you could have just said it the way that I, I said. could have, all but right, I don't guys. agree with you and it I don't to want please. to go
2: back to the uh, locker room with both of you. You're out yeah. of the game.
3: All right. Well, I tried, but anyways, I, I, I felt like uh, all four of these issues were very interesting and cool. And, uh, it was a fun four issue run and I was happy about it.
2: The uh yeah, I agree. This felt like it's we're slowly getting closer to a Hellboy series in uh, style and tone. This is the closest, I think. Even the other issues that feature Hellboy, I feel like this felt more like a Hellboy series. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't picked it up or a huge Hellboy fan, I think this is worth picking up. This is the number four of four, so just remember <laughs> that. To us at the end. Uh, And it's uh, good, uh, even though the art is by Ben Stenbeck, it's right up there in the Mike (laughs) Mignola-verse.
0: Would you say it was published by Dark Horse Comics? Would you agree with that? Oh, my God.
2: I wouldn't go that far, Alex. I wouldn't go
3: that far. Alex, <laughs> Alex don't you have to go call HBO Max and pitch Survivor? Come on. I mean,
0: this is a good idea, guys. This is a million-dollar idea. idea. It's this is money. Great. Finally, I'd be able to pay back that guy who was painted red, who I made that deal with such a long time ago. <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> I gave him Baked so much it. money to do this podcast. It's insane. much Was the, I did so was much the paint wet? Was it still wet? Because it feels yeah, like it a very it was dripping all over his face. It was still I don't dripping, know, man. man.
2: Well, anyway,
0: if you would like to help me get out of this mess I've gotten myself into, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Wait, is all
3: the money going to
0: your devil scheme? Is that
3: what's going on? I can't talk. We're wrapping
0: up the podcast right now. We don't have time to talk about this. No wonder we're all broke. Gotta go
2: devil calling me. Wants his money. Be sure
0: to subscribe, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice. At Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, Instagram Comic Club dot com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, for Honey Baked, Spiral and Bone In, this has been <laughs> The Stack. Uh,
2: uh, great.